0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, our Texter Tuesday edition. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. How you doing?
2: Doing well, and Scott Patsco joining us too. Scott, how are you?
0: Good. It's been a while since we've all been together doing this live.
2: I was, I was <laughs> just really? gonna say, you've
0: this all sat- live the week of. You know, <laughs> we, we had that whole series of 20 questions, but we're we're back at
2: it. You've all you've all sat through our our 20 questions pods, and and here we are all together again. Uh, I am curious, since we last did one of these, has anything exciting happened in in your guys' lives? What I can tell you is I, at least to this point, knock on wood, managed successfully installed toilet, which I didn't think I'd be able to do. Very <laughs> a big good. moment for me, but I, I was able to do that. So far, no tragedies in the, in the lobby household, but uh, that, that was really <laughs> the extent of, of my time down here.
1: Very good, congratulations. How about you, Scott, anything?
0: I had a birthday. Oh. And I got an AARP uh, registration in the mail that I just threw out. So uh, yeah, you know, other than that, it was pretty, it was pretty quiet.
1: <laughs> um, gosh, absolutely nothing for me. I wish I had something to exci- exciting to report. I did, not, uh, I did not do anything productive with my time, such as write a book <laughs> on my furlough or anything like that. I, uh, I really just worked through the 37 loads of laundry that my three adult children brought home from their various colleges and things like that, so I have about maybe 10, 12 to go
2: well that, there you go that like two minutes there just about sums up 2020 where we all talked <laughs> about <laughs> vacation furlough time and eh, we didn't really do anything Installed the toilet sky got an aarp <laughs> card married <laughs> laundry that's our our exciting lives okay let's get to it it is texter tuesday we put a call out for some questions uh to our texters we also put an invite out uh for some texters to maybe jump on the zoom and ask us questions so we'll see if uh if they're able to do that, it was sort of uh, sort of last minute, so we'll see if, they are, if they're able to jump on here. But if not, we've got plenty of questions to get to, and we just have to start with this, because this is what's on everyone's mind. Uh, of course, as we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, news came out today that there was a coronavirus outbreak uh, in Major League Baseball, specifically uh, with the Marlins, and they had to cancel their game today. Uh, major league baseball the last I saw and again we're recording this on Tuesday about 4:15 right now so the last I saw MLB was going to have a like an emergency call or an emergency meeting uh, to go over what their next steps are and of course this brings up the NFL so I guess for you guys uh, obviously we're all football writers so we think about everything that happens like this with, with a football mindset and what this means for the NFL uh, Mary Kay I'll start with you what what was kind of your first thought when, when you saw that today? Did, did you think, I mean, I'll tell you, for me, obviously, it was concerning, but at the same time, I kind of want to wait and see how this plays out league-wide, and if maybe this is an isolated incident or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, my first thought was, uh-oh, you know, that this is not good, uh, especially because, you know, we already know that Uh, Two Browns players amongst the first crop that reported on Friday, uh, that was quarterbacks, rookies, and injured players. Uh, Two players went onto the reserve slash COVID-19 list. This is a new temporary IR list. Uh, That was Dante, Dontrell Hilliard and Javante Moppet. Uh, Those guys, uh, you know, went onto the list, and it will take a while before they're medically cleared to come off of it. And I think uh, it, it makes us all realize when the rest of the veterans report and start testing tomorrow, uh, that there probably are going to be some more positive tests. And now it's a matter of, okay, where does everyone go from here? Uh, by over the next few days, we will hear about all of these players going out of the reserve COVID list. And you know, we'll find out, are there, you know, whatever. 12 from one team two from another team we really don't know yet uh and um and I think everything is still up in the air and I I just don't know how it's going to play out yet
0: Well, this is the reality of not playing your your sport in a bubble Mm -hmm. you know um you have teams traveling I think with the Yankees and the Phillies I think were canceled uh tonight as well um but I think so. yeah, you, you have teams uh, moving across state lines and traveling and, and I don't know, it's something like this seemed bound to happen. I guess you'd hope that it wouldn't be as many people as, as it has been. Um, but when something like that happens, yeah, you kind of have to pull back and, and shut down a few things. I think, you know, it's not just Florida. I think people think, Oh, the Marlins. Well, of course they're from Florida and you know, why wouldn't they, you know, test have people test positive because Florida's having those sorts of issues. But uh, Major League Soccer is doing their uh, their season slash tournament in, in a bubble in Florida. And they've gone two or three weeks now, I think, with zero cases. Um, so it can be done. But again, they're in a bubble. Uh, so I think the NFL, if they're looking at anything very closely, it should be Major League Baseball because the NFL basically wants to do what they're doing. They want to have a season as close to normal as they can. And that's going to mean traveling and, you know like that first list there weren't any huge names on it you know Dontrell Hilliard that might be your your starting punt returner or kickoff returner but um, you can get by a week or two without him you know you you can replace that position but you you have something like that spread through your quarterback room or or really uh, the linebackers who are you know there's a lot of unknowns and you know you don't want people coming off the roster uh, on that union so you know, it's it's something I think the NFL has to pay close attention to, and it's it's a reality that they're gonna they're gonna face at some point. It's, it's gonna happen, and then you're gonna have to decide: do we shut down a team? Do we just quarantine players? It's there's a lot of
2: things that are unknown. I and, think and the other a complicated thing. thing. Oh, go go ahead, Mary Kay.
1: I think the important thing to note, too, with NFL players, and a lot of people might not realize this, is it's not like these guys are showing up for training camp and checking into the team hotel like they usually do for camp. They are staying home at their apartments, their houses, and wherever they live. So, therefore, they're going back and forth every night. They're going back out into society and then coming back to the Browns facility and so and, and every NFL facility, so I think that is a major difference and and one thing to really keep an eye on
2: yeah, and, and I think um, you know this was something that that uh, Peter King had in his uh, MMqB column today a number of, of veteran players basically saying one of the things that they have to do is kind of teach the younger guys you got to think bigger than just yourself because it's going to be hard for you know, a 21, 22-year-old kid who just got millions of dollars to want to stay home. Um, and, and that's sort of what these guys are, are going to have to do and the adjustment they're going to have to make. The other thing is, um, I believe the Athletic reported today that in, that the Marlins voted to play, or not voted to play, but decided to play yesterday, even though they knew about the positive tests. So there's got to be some lesson that comes from that as well. Uh, not, not that the players who tested positive played, but that the team still voted to play. So I think more than anything, you know, again, wait and see if this is an isolated incident, and see if this starts to spread and really causes problems in baseball, then you really start to get worried. Uh, but beyond that, we're really still learning kind of how to deal with this in the sports world, especially outside of a bubble. The NBA, too, you know, Scott, you mentioned soccer, the NBA has, has done a good job. The NHL just had, I, I believe, no positive tests. So we're seeing bubbles work. Now we got to figure out how to make this work outside of bubbles or, or see if it can work. And, the NFL, even though we're getting started with training camps, still has a little bit of time to get that figured out. Um, go ahead, Mary Kay. Were you going to say something?
1: Yeah. Where could we do an NFL bubble? If they decide it's a <laughs> really bubble time for the NFL, I already gave you guys my vote for Vegas a long time ago. But, uh, you know, seriously, how, how could the NFL, the size and scope of the NFL, pull off a bubble? Could it be done? How about Hawaii? <laughs>
0: Vegas okay. is hard because you got it's Yeah, you have the casinos there, which would work really well for housing multiple teams, maybe, and all the personnel that they would bring. But it's also a, a city, you know, there's also people who live in Las Vegas. And I don't know, that would be weird. I mean, Disney World makes or Disneyland, I can't, I always forget which is which, but <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Um, I don't know. There's so many I, I do places. like the idea of Vegas because, you know, you have all those hotels, but at the same time it's – I don't know. Football teams are so large, 150 to 200 people that you're talking about just for one team. That's And for, for – what, from
2: August through the end of the year?
1: I mean, how could you even play the games, you know?
2: <laughs> I, mean, I would almost think they would have to – I mean, my idea – I put this in an insider newsletter a couple weeks ago – is you almost have to create pods – Right, so whether it's by division or region, you create some pods, and uh, you have those teams. You play a round-robin in those pods five weeks, six weeks, and then you just – it would have to be a shortened season. Maybe you make some playoffs out of that. You take two weeks off, go to a location where you have the playoffs, and maybe it's a 10-week – I don't know, a 10-week season, a 15-week season, something like that. Um, but it would be really difficult because there's, there are a lot of guys, even when you trim down to 53. And the other thing in football is there's so much in and out on the roster. You can't, it's not like these other sports. You know, yeah, injuries happen in other sports, but in the NFL, the roster churn is so extreme. Uh, It would be really difficult. Well, I said I wasn't sure if we'd get people uh, coming into our texture Tuesday to ask questions. I want to give a shout out to the 516 area code who brought us that first question. But we do have some folks uh, sitting here waiting to jump in. So I'm going to see if I can make this work here on our Zoom, and we're gonna start with uh, DJ, who I've just asked to unmute. And DJ, once you're unmuted, if that works, uh, you can go ahead with your question. If not, we'll move on uh, momentarily here. And DJ, we're gonna, oh, here we go, we got you, go ahead.
1: Hi, I was just wondering about uh, the new regime. Um, What's their stance on signing running backs
2: do um, you think they'll re-sign Chubb, or do you think they'll let him go and, and re-sign Hunt to I uh, I don't know a middle middle tier contract? Just wonder. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously that's going to be one of the questions this regime has to answer, and we have to find out how they value running backs. And uh, we had a, we had another quad DJ. I don't know if it was you, but we had somebody text that question in as well. Um, you know, Nick Chubb is going to be extension eligible after this year. Uh, the Browns are going to have to make a decision on him. And we're, we're going to find out just how analytically driven this front office is um, and, and keep an eye. You know, what happened with Derrick Henry, I think, is very informative about maybe the type of contract Nick Chubb might get.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, he's so highly valued in the organization, very highly valued in the city. My first instinct is that is that they will go ahead and pay Nick Chubb a top of the market uh, contract. I mean, that's just, uh, just my first instinct about that. And I think that they would also try to keep uh, Kareem Hunt around as well and, and pay him uh, whatever maybe the market might bear based on how this season goes. I think they value the position. I think this is an offense uh, that is based on the run. I think uh, when we talk about analytics, when, uh, Nick Chubb is just right up there in terms of all different kinds of, of metrics and, and numbers. And uh, so I do think that, that they will go ahead and, and pay him.
0: Yeah, I think the season is going to tell us how that plays out because we're going to find out how they work together, who is more valuable to this offense. I mean, I, if you're Kareem Hunt and you have a great season, you know, do you want to stay here and, and not get the top dollar that maybe, you know for a running back that you could get somewhere else? Do you, do you want to get back to the point where you're kind of a main guy again? Um, you know, Nick Chubb obviously is one of the best running backs in the league, and he can't do everything that Kareem Hunt can do. So, again, I think how the season goes and, and how Kevin Stefanski uses them both is going to let us know, you know, which one of these guys you keep. Because I don't – you're not going to – they're not obviously not both going to get top dollar. Um, even though this offense values running backs, so you're not going to pay them both top dollar to stay here. It just doesn't make any sense.
2: Okay. Uh, by the way, if you jump on and and you turn your video on, I'm, I'm I, I need to shut it off real quickly. Just that's just for our own purposes. We make videos out of these podcasts, and so uh, uh, we want to be able to to create those videos without someone just sitting in the corner watching. But when you come up to ask your question, you're more than welcome to turn your video on. We'd love we'd love to see your face. If you jump on and you see your video get shut gets shut off, that's why. I'm gonna go to uh, Larry Bram here. So I've just asked you to unmute, and Larry, once you get that get out, go ahead. Oh, I was uh, multitasking and not ready for a question. Uh Uh-oh. So come back to me later. (laughs) All right, we'll we'll come back to Larry. That's okay. We've all all been there, Larry. Let's go to Terry. Let's go to Terry Cosma here, uh, asking you to unmute. And once you do that, uh, you can go ahead with your question, Terry.
1: Okay, my question is, how do you think that uh, we're going to be handling the practices Have they picked whether they're going to do 90 or 80? And how, how are they going to do that? Well,
2: you just wrote about this. So, so catch us up.
1: Yeah. Well, everybody has to be down to 80 um, by August 16th. The pads go on on August 17th and to lend a little bit of sanity to that, they're going to lop off, you know, 10 players by August 16th. But some teams are are only going to end up taking 80. I haven't heard anything about the Browns doing that. As you probably know, veterans report tomorrow, but they really don't report to the field. They just report to the testing trailer and to the tent. They have to test for four days with two negatives before they can actually go onto the practice field or into the weight room or into the facility. So that happens uh, for the first five days. Then there's strength and conditioning, and then on August 12th they can actually start some practices without pads, no contact. And then on August 17th, they will do contact. So they can do 14 practices in pads with contact. Uh, So once again, uh, they have to be down to 80 by August 16th. And we'll see if the Browns decide to stick with 90 up until that point.
2: And and there was a question too that came in uh, via text. The Browns are currently at 90. I counted just to make sure that they weren't short. That's counting the two players that went on that COVID injury list. Um, they are, uh, they are down to 90 practices are going to look different this year. Um, they're, they're sort of doing phase one of, uh, OTAs or phase one of the off season program here to start things off. Um, and then it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be pads towards the end. I think they can do 14 padded practices leading up to the season and then you get into week one. So it's a nice ramp up period, but it's going to take a little, you know, once they put those pads on, it's going to feel really accelerated.
1: Yeah, I think the other thing to note about this, too, is that I think the Browns uh, were really excited about their exercise science and their analytics. And I think they thought that, uh, that it was going to be a place where they could make up a little bit of ground in the early part of camp. But now everybody's on this very regimented program where nobody could really do anything uh, from, a, from a contact standpoint until August 17th. So uh, it's a level playing field but not really level for everybody that has a new coach.
0: Good thing with the Browns is that they have so few positions where there are really big questions on who's going to start. You know, it's mostly about depth. And I think you get the feeling a lot of these decisions are going to be made a lot earlier than in normal years. And that a lot of guys might be kept in camp just to kind of build that relationship so that when injuries do happen, when people are released and they have to bring somebody back, there's people out there, but I, they're going to know, I'm, I'm sure, before before they normally would you know there's not going to be a preseason game a fourth preseason game for for uh you know those bubble guys but even if they're you know at that point in the season I think they're going to be way far ahead of
2: where they normally are okay we're gonna we're gonna go back to Larry here uh we're gonna hit unmute let's see if you've got that question ready for us here Larry okay um well thank you thank you for doing this first of all I'm riffing here a little bit. do you guys really think there's going to be a full season? Dan, go ahead. Well, I mean that's the, we all just we all just not <laughs> don't know what to say. Uh, that I mean that's the million dollar question, right? I and I think that's the problem with this. Nobody really knows where this is going to go. And the NFL is the NFL has been bound and determined all along to get this season started. You know that second week in September. Browns September 13th. Chiefs and Texans September 10th. Uh, But it's going to be about what happens after that, if there's an outbreak, if there's a a second wave, or if we can even call it that at this point. um, It's really impossible to know exactly. It seems like this thing changes week to week. So it's really just impossible to know what's going to happen in October, November, schools opening, all of this stuff. There's just so much that that can change really either way, positively or negatively.
1: I I had somebody (laughs) ask. Oh, go ahead, Scott.
0: I was going to say it seems highly unlikely that the NFL is going to be the only pro sports league to have a full season without, uh, you know, making some sort of concession to to what's going on. We've already lost the preseason. Um, I can't imagine you're going to see a 16-game season. Things are going to get cut. Um, It's going to look different, and we just don't know how it's going to happen yet.
1: Yeah, I had somebody ask me this question. Just a, a friend asked me this the other day. They wanted me to put a percentage on it, and of course we can't do that right now. We have no idea yet. Um, but I said 60%. I, I, you know, I just off the top of my head, I gave it a 60% chance that there will be a full NFL season. But as we move along here, you know, I do, I am starting to have more, more and more doubts about how they're going to pull this off because once again, this is the only real super contact sport that is about to get underway.
2: Mm -hmm. i want to ask this question uh because obviously there's not every league is is doing the bubble thing as we've discussed including the nfl and the other the other league that's doing it baseball is already having some issues as we discussed off the top but part of this with baseball and one of the things that i thought would cause a problem for baseball is when you travel in baseball you go to a city and you stay there for three days four days the nfl conceivably you fly in on saturday You make guys stay in their hotel rooms or whatever it is, and you fly out of there after the games on Sundays, as we know. These guys don't go back to their rooms. They don't fly on Mondays. They show up to the stadium with their bags anyway as it is, and they go straight to the airport. Does that that help the NFL in your mind? That at the very least, the travel they're kind of exposing themselves to here is very minimal. It's not as many games, and it literally is like in the night before and out right after the game.
1: You know what? I'm going to say that theoretically that should make a difference. But when I think of a position group, you know, you know, such as the offensive line testing positive, I just don't see. I mean, if they do, you know, let's just hypothetically say that that happens. Like four or five out of the of the offensive linemen test positive for any in like in a week. I just don't see how. You move forward with having a game. I don't see When you were talking about the Marlins players voted to play, well, that's all well and good, but what about the guys that have to play against them? I mean, do they want to play against them? (laughs) You know, like, how's this going to work if an opponent would have to make a decision? And these guys, obviously, if they've been exposed uh, to positive players, would need to quarantine. And I think it's going to be very challenging.
0: Ditto. It's it's good that they fly in and and fly out, but you still got to get there. You still go through a whole week of practice, and uh, that's it. You don't know.
2: I I guess I guess maybe the travel is the least of the concerns, right? It's like yes, it's good for the NFL, but these guys going in and out of a facility, going home, doing whatever they do. Uh, when they're not at the facility. Uh, the, that's that's sort of what we have to worry about. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to tell everybody about Football Insider. That's uh, how you've heard from the people you've heard from so far in this podcast. we got a few more questions uh, that were texted to us as well. So we're going to take a quick break. I'll tell you about Football Insider. When we get back, we'll wrap up our Tuesday, our Texter Tuesday podcast here on the Orange and Brown podcast. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you, cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events. For our subscribers, it's like a little club, and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on Cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what, though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keeps me in touch with. uh, The The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something I need a quick break, I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. (laughs) <laughs> so if you want to join us you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page it's $3.99 per month after the trial or even easier since it is a text service pick up your phone and text 216-208-3965 to get signed up again to start your 14-day free trial text 216-208-3965 now back to our show and back on our Texture Tuesday edition of the Orange and or Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Scott Patsco. We are taking texter questions. You've heard from some of our texters. Now here's some uh, that got sent into us as well. And this one has to do with David Njoku. Here's a little uh, behind-the-scenes trivia. People are very interested in David Njoku. Uh, Mary Kay, you and I did a David Njoku. We called it an emergency pod the day that he requested his trade. And it has been our most listened-to podcast by far. I Was shocked, (laughs) absolutely shocked by it. People certainly care about the topic. So, from the 703 area code, what are the chances the Browns trade David Njoku before the season? What do you think is fair trade value? And are there any concerns if the team doesn't move him? I'm assuming they, they kind of mean as far as chemistry, things like that are concerned. So, all sort of been quiet on the David Njoku front, aside from him sending out a tweet that he still loves Cleveland despite what happens here. Uh, Where where are we at with this, Mary Kay?
1: Well, once again, the Browns do not want to trade him. They have no plans of trading him. So someone's going to have to bring it strong uh, to pry him loose. They wanted him here for the two tight end offense that Kevin Stefanski is running, and sometimes three. And uh, they wanted him to be a big part of that. And uh, so right now, I would say that the chances of him being traded before the season, I'm going to put it at about 40%. And the reason I even put it that high is because uh drew rosenhouse his new brand new super agent is very adept and skilled at uh crafting these deals and coming up with something and pulling a rabbit out of a hat that nobody thought would be able to happen look what he got for duke johnson so uh a fourth that that improved to a third i mean that was a good deal for, oh, yeah. for, both, for both teams so if he can do something like that then i think it could possibly happen uh, but I, I don't think that, uh, that the Browns, I know that they're not going to give them away for like a fifth round pick or something like that. Maybe it would be like a fourth that improved to a third or in a perfect world, I think they would want, you know, in a perfect world, they would want a first rounder. I don't see that happening. You know, maybe they would hope to get like a third that could improve to a second or something like that.
0: And in a perfect world, they'd want a middle linebacker. <laughs> in return. Somebody can just plug right in and start. I feel like we, we might've asked this question and I might've said shortly after it happened that it was hundred percent sure that he would be gone before the season. Um, I still think it's going to be pretty high. Um, I mean, like if, if he really wants not, doesn't want to be here. And I, know, I think, you know, and by the way, I think the people listen to that podcast it's such a high number because I think a lot of the Browns fans were appalled at the fact that David Njoku requested a trade. Um, you know, there was the thinking that, gosh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna feature tight ends this year. Why wouldn't David Njoku want to be part of that? But you know, not every tight end that might not be attractive to every tight end. You know, that offense, it might he might have uh, more of maybe a, a receivers type um, role in his mind for him and in his future. And he, you know, we know that he's had issues blocking in the past. Uh, so this, this might not be attractive to him. But I do think that he'll be gone. And I think that um, the Browns will do what they can to get the best, you know, best in return in a trade. I just don't see them going into this season. I think what's really going to maybe push that is, does he show up for training camp, you know? I, if you want to be out of here, I guess that's one way to, to force it is just by not showing up, assuming he passes all the tests. But I think I think he's gone before the season starts. I don't see any reason – to keep somebody around who's disgruntled especially when you have Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant already on the roster
2: yeah and I I think it's I think this new CBA makes it really difficult for a guy to hold out so I, I think you know he would if he definitely decided not to show up it would Cost him a lot of money, and so I think he'll show up. But you know, maybe he'll kind of do the Duke Johnson. Um, you know what? I can't go today, guys. I gotta, I gotta stand I here understand. on the sideline. And uh, that was a very effective way to force a trade. I, I put the percentage over fifty. Hey, Mary Kay, you went with forty, right?
1: I did. Uh, yeah, I did.
2: So I would, I, I would actually put it sixty to seventy, just because I think the Drew Rosenhaus factor. Um, this is a guy who has made his living kind of getting what he wants, and it's his reputation, right? If, if somebody hires him and says, I want out, he's going he's gonna to do everything he can to get him out of here, like you said. And uh, so I think if, if Nijoku doesn't want to be here, they'll, they'll figure their way out of this. Unfortunately, I don't think the Texans have any more draft picks to give up. Mm-hmm. That would have been, <laughs> been the ticket.
1: Well, here, here's another thing to consider. Uh, we don't know how Andrew Barry or this new regime will react to a trade demand. They might – uh, you know, and, and we kind of know that you know the the word is already out there, the vibe is already out there that they they don't they've told us they don't want to trade him, they have no plans of doing so. Uh, so we don't know if they're going to take a little bit of a hardline stance uh, to set the tone that you can't just stomp your feet and demand a trade, and we are going to accommodate you. So there might be a little bit of gamesmanship going on in that regard as well.
0: It would be so much better if we knew a reason why he wanted the trade it just because again you look at it from the outside and you think it doesn't really make sense and for a guy who needs to kind of bounce back after a lost season it would seem like this offense is set up to let him do that like play play out this season and then and then request your trade but you know here we are
2: okay so we've had a couple more uh texters join us uh we're going to get to them and then we're going to call it a podcast uh our first up is i just believe me try this again uh, Bruce McIntosh, if you got the request to unmute yourself, go ahead and do that and uh, and ask your question. If not, we're going to move on to a guy that Scott and I got to know uh, pretty well uh, a couple weeks ago when we did a podcast. So, Bruce, I haven't heard from you yet. So we're going to go to Hirsch Cohen. Uh, Hirsch was part of our podcast a couple weeks ago, one of our 20-question pods. So, Hirsch, as soon as you're uh, unmuted, you can go ahead with your question. Thank you. The question was, given – uh, the cancellation of the MLB games. You know, how does that? What? What? What's the obvious implication – I shouldn't say obvious. What's the implication for football and how it goes? I would a 12, Twelve. guys on the Marlins get sick. I. <laughs> well, Hirsch, you you, you kind of summed it up there with, with that last part. Um, yeah, this is something we talked about um, off the top of the pod. But um, you know, again, it, it's one of those things where it's just. It's hard to feel good about things when when you see something like that uh you know you hope i i do want to say this there is a a segment of twitter today uh, and i'm not going to throw out any names but there's a segment of twitter that makes it sound like some of us are rooting for football to fail and i just want all of you out there to understand that no we like being employed we like having health insurance we like having our our uh, benefits that come with being employed uh, so none of us are, are rooting for, for football to fail. So we don't gonna...
0: want to have to go cover school board and, uh, you know, <laughs> exactly. city council meetings.
1: You know, the, the other thing while, uh, while, while I have your attention is uh, if I were the NFL or the NFLPA, I read an interesting uh, article by the Associated Press and others where uh, just a recent batch of tests in Connecticut had a 62% 0.5% false positive rate. If I were the NFL or the NFLPA or and the NFLPA, I would make sure that they're doing some quality control on the testing every day. If they are going to be testing guys every single day, I would want to know uh, that they are 100% accurate with their testing. And I found it very disturbing that this recent batch of test, uh, tests used by a laboratory that is is being used all over the country came up with uh, it was it was a rather small sample. It was one hundred and forty four tests, but ninety of them came out with false positives. So what I would do each day in the NFL it was a different lab, but i would um, I would do some quality control uh, because if you're going to base your whole entire season, and we're talking about billions of dollars here obviously uh, i I would want to make sure. Uh, that, that everything is absolutely 100% accurate, and then you're getting the right results.
2: Okay, uh, Bruce, uh, I've tried again to ask you on unmute. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Let me get to one more question here that came in through our texters, um, and it had to do with Kevin Stefanski, and what he needs to do here when training camp kicks off. Uh, and what he needs to establish. So this comes from the 440 area code. What do you think is the most important thing for Kevin Stefanski to try to establish with players coming back in the building?
1: The the most important thing, I would say offensive efficiency. That is what they need more so than anything. They don't have preseason games. They don't have an opportunity to practice against another team. What I would be doing if I were Kevin Stefanski is repping situational football over and over and over. I mean, if you have to divide uh, the team up into you know two different segments, squad A and squad B, and if you have to you know have some of them, whatever, I don't even know if you can do that, but if you can have some of them practicing at the stadium and some of them practicing in Berea, depending on how the social distancing needs to happen, they need to get in as many meaningful reps as possible and they cannot waste a moment A lot of times we watch practice and we see like a lot of standing around and I just don't think they can afford to do any of that. I mean, when special teams is happening, if you're not on special teams, you got to be repping something over there. So I just feel like that's my number one thing that I would want to see during these practices.
0: Yeah, I think getting the offense up to speed is number one and working in his favor is the fact that he pretty much knows who his starting lineup is going to be except for that right guard. So. Uh, you know, everything's pretty much in place. And you're right, Mary Kay. I think meaningful reps, not so many of the the walkthrough, uh, you know, kind of taking it easy, individual reps, but more actual meaningful reps. And that's that could be a challenge with, with some of the rules. But um, they got to get the offense right. Uh, you, you have so much invested on that side of the ball. And it's such a huge year for Baker that, that hitting the ground running is going to be huge.
2: Yeah, and I, I just think from a cultural standpoint, yeah, this is going to be your first opportunity to really see these players in person. And obviously a lot of this stuff still has to be done virtually, uh, but once they are able to kind of get on the field and, and do some of that work, uh, th- this is your chance to establish your culture and, and what it's going to be like uh, with, with Kevin Stefanski. I, I think last year, when you talk about those meaningful reps, we look back at that camp and there were these padded physical practices, but when you were watching those practices, what did you feel like they were accomplishing? It just didn't feel like – it just felt like, hey, we're going to put on pads and be tougher than everybody. It just just didn't feel like there was a, a real culture being set aside from maybe, you know, a backup offensive lineman having to run every now and again. Um, it, it was really inconsistent. Uh, you know, let, let's set that culture. Let's show what a Kevin Stefanski football team is all about uh, and and go from there. I mean, that, that's really where it starts. That's why they brought him in, I think, is, is to be that, that culture setter. The other
1: thing – The other thing I think I might do, sorry about that, Dan. The other thing I think I might do is uh, pare down uh, the playbooks a little bit on both sides of the ball. I think I would uh, probably in the early going uh, toss a few pages out and make sure that you're really focused in on things that you are positive that you're going to be running in the the first quarter of the season. Maybe take it by quarter and maybe you don't have to have every single Thing in by the opener, but the things that you do, you're going to do them really, really well. So I I think I might, you know, kind of simplify it a little bit for the players because they're all going to be learning each other. They're going to be learning new terminology, new schemes. Uh, I think I might try to keep it a little bit more simple.
2: Okay, yeah, I mean, I think the teams that win this season are going to be the teams that take that approach and, and keep things simple and make things easy and rely on their talent here, especially early in the season. Okay, that'll do it for our Text Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. A little bit of an experiment today, uh, having some folks jump on the Zoom and ask us questions. It was uh, kind of nice to hear some different voices uh, as we sort of resume. Getting out of this twenty questions mode and getting back into our regular daily podcast. So make sure if you want to get involved in Football Insider, to check that out at cleveland.com/browns, and also make sure you're subscribed to that Orange and Brown Talk podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.